Welcome to Killer Narratives, the podcast where horror stories haunt you in real life. I'm your host, Richard Palmer, and I'm excited to take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the mind. Thank you for joining us today for our fourth episode. If you end up enjoying today's episode, please remember to like, follow, share, and review it so that others can hopefully find it as well. You can find much more information on our website at killernarratives.com. There you can find links to all our social media accounts, our merch shop, as well as an option to donate to the podcast to help keep it going and reach new audiences. Getting a new podcast off the ground is very difficult, so any support you provide is greatly appreciated. If you have any scary stories you've written and would like to share with the world, please email me at richard at killernarratives.com. You can also email me if you have questions or comments about the podcast. Perhaps if there are enough questions by the end of this season, I will do a little question and answer session. If you want to get extra spooky, I suggest turning off your lights, lighting a candle, and laying in bed while you listen. Now let's get into our story, The Fairy Woods. After leaving the train at Southwater, he knew the road headed straight west. He relied on his instincts for the rest, as he was a natural walker who preferred not to ask for directions. His instincts usually served him well. Walk about a mile west on the sandy road until you see a post on your right. Then go through the fields. You'll spot the red house directly ahead. He looked at the postcard's instructions again, attempting to decipher the crossed-out sentence for a second time but to no avail. It had been thoroughly covered with ink, making it impossible to read any words. Crossed-out sentences in a letter always piqued his curiosity. He wondered what had to be so meticulously erased. The afternoon was lively, with a strong, howling wind blowing from the sea across the Sussex countryside. Massive clouds with rounded edges raced through the vast blue sky. In the distance, the line of hills stretched across the horizon like an approaching wave. Canterbury Ring crowned the hilltops like a ship sailing against the wind. He removed his hat and walked briskly, taking in deep breaths of fresh air with joy and excitement. The road was empty. No horse riders, cyclists, or cars. Not even a delivery truck. Not a single pedestrian. Regardless, he wouldn't have asked for directions. Keeping an eye out for the post, he strode forward as the wind whipped his cloak against his face, creating ripples in the blue puddles on the golden path. The trees revealed their white underleaves. Ferns and tall grass swayed in unison. The day was full of life, with high spirits and energy everywhere. For a Croydon surveyor's clerk just stepping out of the office, this felt like a seaside vacation. It was a day full of excitement, and his heart swelled to match nature's spirited mood. His umbrella with a silver ring should have been a sword, and his brown shoes should have been tall boots with spurs on the heels. Where was the hidden enchanted castle and the princess with golden hair? Suddenly the post appeared, cutting his adventurous thoughts short. His ordinary clothes reminded him of reality. He was a middle-aged surveyor's clerk, earning three pounds a week traveling from Croydon to discuss a client's proposed changes to a wooded area, aiming to enhance the view from the dining room window. 
Across the fields, about a mile away, he spotted the red house shining in the sunlight. As he rested on the post to catch his breath, he noticed a small grove of oak and hornbeam trees to the right. Aha, he thought, that must be the wood they want to clear for a better view. I'll have a look at it. There were signs posted, but an inviting little path beckoned him. I'm not trespassing, he reasoned. This is part of my job. Clumsily, he climbed over the gate and entered the grove. Short detour would lead him back to the field. The moment he entered the trees, the wind stopped howling, and a stillness settled over the world. The dense growth allowed only patches of sunshine to filter through. The air was close. He wiped his forehead and put on his green felt hat, but a low branch immediately knocked it off. As he bent to pick it up, a springy twig snapped back, stinging his face. Flowers lined the narrow path. Glades opened on either side. Ferns curled around in damper corners, and the rich, sweet smell of earth and foliage filled the air. It was cooler here. He marveled at the enchanting little forest. Walking down a small sun-dappled glade where sunlight flickered like silver wings, he placed a dark blue flower in his buttonhole. His hat, caught by an oak branch, was knocked off his head once more, falling across his eyes. He left it off this time, swinging his umbrella and walking with his head uncovered, whistling loudly. However, the thick trees didn't encourage whistling, and his cheerful mood began to fade. He found himself walking cautiously in the peculiar stillness of the woods. A rustle in the ferns and leaves caught his attention as something dashed across the path ten yards ahead. It paused for an instant, head tilted to the side, before diving back into the underbrush as quickly as a shadow. He jumped, startled like a frightened child, then laughed at himself for being scared by a mere pheasant. In the distance, he heard the sound of wheels on the road and wondered why it felt pleasant. Good old butcher's cart, he thought, then realized he was going the wrong way and had gotten turned around. He hurriedly took another narrow glade to the right, thinking it was the correct direction. The trees have mixed me up a bit, it seems, he said, only to find himself back at the gate he had first climbed over. He had merely made a circle. His surprise turned into slight embarrassment. A man, dressed like a gamekeeper in green, leaned against the gate, tapping his legs with a switch. I'm heading for Mr. Lumley's farm, the walker explained. This is his wood, I believe. He stopped suddenly, realizing it wasn't a man at all, but an illusion created by light, shade, and foliage. He stepped back, trying to recreate the image. But the wind shook the branches, and the foliage refused to reform the figure. The leaves rustled oddly, and the sun hid behind a cloud, altering the appearance of the woods. It was remarkable how his mind had been deceived, as if the man had spoken and pointed with his switch to the notice board on the nearest tree. He imagined the words, No, it's not his wood. It's ours. Someone with a sense of humor had altered the weather-beaten board to read, Trespassers will be persecuted. While the amazed clerk read the words and chuckled, he thought about the story he'd have to share with his wife and children later. This crazy forest tried to kick me out, but I'll go back in. 
It's only a small area. I'm bound to reach the fields on the other side if I keep going straight. He remembered his position at the office and a dignity he needed to uphold. As the cloud moved away from the sun, light suddenly splashed through the trees, illuminating the forest floor. The man pressed on, feeling somewhat puzzled as the shifting light and shadows played tricks on his vision. He felt relieved when a new glade opened up, revealing the fields and the distant red house. However, a small wicket gate blocked his path, and as he climbed over it, he was astonished to feel it slide sideways beneath his weight, moving towards the woods. It felt like the moving staircases at Herod's and Earl's court, gliding away with him. Panicking, he tried to get down before being carried into the trees, but his feet became entangled with the bars and umbrella. He fell heavily on the other side, arms sprawled across the grass and nettles, boots caught between the bars. He lay there momentarily like a man crucified upside down. As he struggled to free himself from the tangled mess of feet, bars, and umbrella, he saw a small man in green clothes move quickly through the woods laughing. The man wasn't alone. A companion accompanied him. Once the clerk stood up, he watched them disappear into the dense greenery. They're tramps, not gamekeepers, he muttered, feeling both embarrassed and annoyed. But his heart pounded, and he was too nervous to voice all his thoughts. He examined the wicket gate, suspecting it was a trick of some sort, then hurried on, only to be shocked that the glade no longer led to the fields but curved to the right. What had happened to him? His vision seemed entirely unreliable. Suddenly, the sun blazed, lighting the forest floor with silver pools, and at the same moment a powerful gust of wind roared overhead. Drops fell on the leaves creating a sharp, pattering sound like many footsteps. The entire forest trembled and shifted. Rain thought the clerk, realizing he had lost his umbrella. He turned back to the gate and found it lying on the other side. To his amazement, he saw the fields at the far end of the glade, as well as the red house shining in the sunset. He laughed, understanding that during his struggle with the gate, he had gotten turned around and fallen back instead of forward. Climbing over the gate more easily this time, he retraced his steps. He noticed the silver band had been torn from the umbrella, likely caught on something during his fall. The clerk began to run, feeling extremely uneasy. As he ran, the entire forest seemed to run with him, trees shifting like living beings, leaves folding and unfolding, trunks darting back and forth, and branches opening up to reveal large empty spaces before closing up again. He heard footsteps laughter and crying voices everywhere, with figures gathering just behind him until the glade was filled with movement. The wind in his ears created the voices and laughter, while the sun and clouds alternated between casting shadows and bright light, forming the figures. He didn't like it, and ran as fast as his legs could carry him. Fear overtook him. This was not a story for his wife and children. He ran silently on the soft, mossy ground. To his horror, he saw the glade narrow, nettles and weeds growing thick, the path dwindling until it stopped twenty yards ahead, disappearing among the trees. The tricky gate hadn't stopped him, but this winding glade did, carrying him deep into the dense forest. He had only one option, turn sharply and run back, 
charging headlong into the life that pursued him so closely that it nearly touched him, with reckless courage. He did just that. It was a terrifying choice. He turned with a forceful spring, head down, shoulders forward, and hands stretched out in front of his face. Like a hunted creature, he charged full speed the other way, facing the wind head on. Oh no! The path behind him had vanished. There was no way out. Spinning around like a cornered animal, he frantically searched for an opening, a means of escape, gasping for breath and terrified to his core. But the foliage enveloped him, branches blocking his path. The trees stood close and still, undisturbed by any wind. Just then the sun disappeared behind a massive black cloud, casting the entire forest into darkness and silence. It seemed to watch him. Perhaps it was the sudden darkness that made him act so rashly, as if he had completely lost his mind. Without thinking, he charged headlong into the trees again. Feeling stiflingly surrounded and entangled, he was desperate to break free and reach the open fields and fresh air. In his haste, he appeared to run straight into an oak that seemingly moved into his path on purpose. He saw it shift a full yard, and as a man accustomed to measuring distances he should know. He fell, saw stars, and felt countless tiny fingers tugging and pulling at his hands, neck, and ankles. He later attributed this sensation to the stinging nettles, but at the moment it felt sinister and intentional. Another strange illusion was harder to explain. Suddenly, it seemed as if the entire forest slid past him, accompanied by the rustling of leaves, laughter, countless footsteps, and small, energetic shapes. Two men in green clothes gave him a powerful boost, and when he opened his eyes, he found himself lying in the meadow beside the post where his unbelievable adventure had started. The forest stood in its usual place, gazing down at him in the sunlight. The red house was still in the distance, and above him, the weather-beaten notice board smirked. Trespassers will be prosecuted disoriented and disheveled. The clerk walked slowly across the fields, his confidence shaken. Along the way, he glanced at the postcard of instructions again, and was amazed to see that the crossed-out sentence was still legible. There is a shortcut through the wood. The wood I want cut down. If you care to take it, the word care. Was poorly written, making it look more like a different word. The C resembled A.D. See that small group of trees? It's blocking my view of the downs, his client explained later, pointing across the fields and referring to the map beside him. I want it cut down in a path made like this. His finger traced a direction on the map. It's still called the fairy wood, and it's much older than this house. So if you're ready, Mr. Thomas, let's go take a look at it. Thank you so much for joining me today for the fourth episode of Killer Narratives. Remember to like, follow, and share the podcast if you enjoyed it. You can also visit our website at killernarratives.com for more information.